Hello, all, and welcome to the Pod Squadron Podcast. All, and welcome we to the show the the, where we talk about the full scope of the Star Wars experience. The- we're talking merch, we're talking animation, we're talking the films, we're talking actors and behind the scenes, and we have some people who can fill you in on that people information as you- well. We are not just random jokers. We're a good bunch of guys who are here to talk to you more. Oh, and girls. Guys and gals. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Benja. Uh, and we've lost Benja already. <laughs> oh, no. At least this time it's at the beginning instead of we're the gonna end. have uh, some discussion on the Mandalorian <laughs> as usual. Um we're gonna go into some some news bits. We're also gonna touch on the holiday special, which was watched by far more, more people than I thought. And of course, we're gonna have a couple of your comments. Very quickly, I want to make sure that everybody checks us out on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm missing something. All the things. All the things. (laughs) We're trying to get out there on all the things. Um, So just make sure you're out there checking us out. And uh, we also just dropped on uh, your favorite podcast services. So check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spreaker, cast box whichever podcast player you like to use without further ado though let's get into our cast here and introducing everybody uh we do have the director fight choreographer performer puppeteer and the chinese pirate andy Lowe. hello everyone greetings and so you do we also have writer blogger occasional cosplay artist the one and only hot nerd girl how's it going greetings and salutations all right. And once again, we have back with us the performance artist, aerialist, and events designer, Lexi Lee. Hi, everybody. How's your weekend going? Good. And I am Mr. Benja from the 8-Bit Cubist, uh, artist, designer, former game developer. So how is everyone doing this holiday season? Wow, is it already Bye. holidays? <laughs> <laughs> Officially. Good God. <laughs> officially. It is officially holidays. I'm getting OT work requests. <laughs> I have I a mean, question. To me, it's like, it's just, it's still, it's like March 270 something to me. <laughs> That's true. I, I do have a question for you guys, though. Does anybody have any unusual Thanksgiving traditions that maybe most people don't do? Oh, gosh. No, my family's boring. <laughs> we we used to do we used to do uh <laughs> we used to have the annual turkey ball and it began when my brother-in-law decided he was going to set up a tetherball uh uh I don't know pole in his in his uh in his driveway and uh, he created a a little sculpy clay uh turkey that he put on top of a plastic trophy base and uh, and uh, yes, that that trophy has been passed from family member to family member for oh gosh, maybe twenty years now. And the idea was every time the, the the trophy was passed on, you had to add something to it. So like you had some people who were you know more ambitious who would like I put some lights on it because I'm an electrician uh, on the <laughs> side, and then someone else actually added another tier a layer. Some people like just like we had one actor friend who just took his headshot and stuck it on the side of it. <laughs> that's that's impressive. Whatever I had for weird uh, traditions, Thanksgiving <laughs> just got blown out of the water. 
<laughs> well, I, I, my fun fact is I did not have a traditional Thanksgiving dinner until I was well into my teens. Oh. oh. Yeah. And that was at a restaurant in, in Julian that was in a cabin that later burned down in all the fires. And, and I was, I was an adult, uh, before I went to a family member's house for Thanksgiving and had like a traditional family Thanksgiving dinner. Before that, it was just me and my little core group, my core family, because we were military. And so we would make homemade pizzas every year for Thanksgiving. See, that's still cool, though. I mean, you know, pizza, it's pizza. <laughs> I don't think I've had homemade pizza since, actually. But <laughs> anyway, I was just curious <laughs> what everybody's weirdness is, because I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Lexi? Oh, my family has kind of gone like the inverse where we used to have a bunch of Thanksgivings together. And uh, then the adults all had drama with each other. And like all of me and my cousins kind of turned around and we went, nobody makes plans anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, we're pretty we were pretty traditional about it i think the the weirdest thing about my family's thanksgiving was like my grandma's layered jello and like that was like Ooh. the good kind of weird you know yeah there's always room for jello right. I I think the only cranberry sauce worth eating is the jello that you splooch out of the can <laughs> everything else is trash just trash the whole can you just absolutely don't even bother maintains its shape you know if you can't slice it i don't want it yeah. How about how about you, Benja? What's your what's your your thing? So I don't I don't know. Uh, this is I know black families do this, but um, especially in the South, where every Thanksgiving you have to jump to different people's houses, of course, and visit people, take a plate of macaroni or something, and mm. food gets passed around the entire city in this whole thing that's happening on Thanksgiving evening. But one thing that also happens is that you're supposed to bring a possible mate or significant other or somebody with you. And it becomes this kind of competition, you know, like, Hey, look who I got with me. And then it's like a little contest, like, mm -hmm. you should see what your cousin Duran brought in. And it's like, Oh, wow, it's just weird. But it's always, it's always funny because every family expects it. Like somebody called me and said, Hey, can you come to me for things? come with me to, uh, you know, for our Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like, oh man, I got to get a haircut. I got to go do this and that. So <laughs> I, I didn't plan and I ended up getting dragged around to some other families' houses, but doing it now in the pandemic, I, I want to see people doing it online. Like, you know, Hey, step in the frame and it's weird. So you were shown off like a prize show horse for a year. Yeah. And they, they had all my information. They've gone through my social media they were like, mm-hmm, he worked at Rockstar Games. <laughs> like, really? I just want some of the, you know, some of the cobbler over in the corner, and I'll be good. Can I share some of, uh, some of people's, what their plans are that they're talking about in the chat? Absolutely. Drop a couple of them. Okay, so Paul says National Lampoon Christmas Vacation is always official. Uh, Caponis says, I think that's Jeff, um, says, I play World of Warcraft and turn people into turkeys with a turkey gun. Uh, <laughs> Brendan says, I used to date a girl whose family recreates the celebration from What About Bob? <laughs> <laughs> that's an obscure movie reference. Good God. 
So Josh says this is going to be his first Thanksgiving as a vegetarian. That's going to be weird. Okay, take it from me. <laughs> Do not get a tofurkey. You're going to want to try a tofurkey. Do not try the tofurkey. Just eat the sides. All right. So is that is, real quick? Is that the same Brandon that Andy that we know? Brandon McNeil. Brandon, Brandon McNeil. Yes, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool guy. Cool guy. Yeah. We so oh, there all these connections. Crazy. <laughs> All right. We're a small little SoCal small, geek world. Yes. <laughs> Back in the GamerCon days, shout out. <laughs> All right. So anyway. <laughs> well, thanks so, for Andy. Let's, uh, yeah, Andy, let's uh, let's get this thing started. Uh, you got some news for us, right? On. So yes, we're there. Have been more releases in the Star Wars world. So recently, uh, Tashin Publishers released a new deluxe book, The Star Wars Archives, the 1999-2005 edition. Uh, this is a companion piece to the 1977-1983 edition, and it's about 600 pages uh, made in close collaboration with George Lucas and Lucasfilm uh, and their archives. The second volume covers uh, all the making of the prequel trilogy, episode 1 through 3, uh, and has a lot of incredible images, concept art, storyboards, on-set photography, behind-the-scene looks, and the process of creating the prequel films. Uh, design sketches, even scans of the script pages. Uh, so this has been uh, a kind of all the buzz as people have been dissecting this for more information. So real quick, does a, uh, you know, I know Toshin, or is it Tashin? Toshin. Um, Toshin Books, and they're like a premier high-end, you know, very high-quality book developer. Have they done work with Star Wars before? Or is this kind of new? Um, I only know about the previous edition. That was the the, the one covering the the 1977 to nineteen eighty three edition. But that uh, that yeah, I mean that had a lot of information, a lot of concept art. I mean a lot of the um, the research that people do to pick up all of the old Macquarie drawings. People grab from 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 yeah. that. Do you know I mean, where and when it's going to be available? Well, it's already available in the UK, uh, and people can pick it up um, on Amazon, uh, uh, also on the Tashin, uh, Tashin, 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 I don't know, Tashin <laughs> website, uh, but, uh, but available here in the United States on December 13th. Uh, but yes, you can, if you're, if you're enterprising enough, you can find it uh, on sale in, in the UK. Very cool. That's cool. What's next? Okay. Uh, well, we can, you know, th this is actually, you know, the, uh, a lot of the things that, um, that have been revealed, a lot of people have been di dissecting over this uh, a little bit. Uh, some of the things that really people have been latching onto are little bits and pieces of an interview with George Lucas that talk about what he had wanted for his sequel trilogy. And, um, oh, you know, this is in the book, right? Yeah, this is all in the book. Uh, uh, okay, okay. You know, one of the things that uh, that has been found a nugget was that he had a lot of interest in building the sequel trilogy around the villain uh darth maul or a return of darth maul and uh he would be followed by his apprentice would be uh the character darth talon that has been reused in legends and other uh media who is a red twi'lek female uh sith assassin um um also with similar uh, Sith tattoos that uh, that you see on, on Darth Maul. I know a cosplayer who does that that character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Michelle. She's amazing. It's a striking I'll look. I'll have to check her out. Yeah. 
because she's that that character sounds like a potential new favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> to add to my to add to my my pantheon of like warrior women in Star Wars. <laughs> I think the tattoos go all the way down the all the way down the left from what I mm-hmm. saw. Yeah, it's like I've triangular. One or two right? pictures. That's so cool though. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't thought about that character in a long time. Um, some of the other things that uh, they were uh, fi- kind of finding was that a lot of his themes would also once again revolve around Leia as the the final end all chosen one, as she would be forced with the uh, faced with the task of rebuilding uh, a new republic, and um, a lot of uh, the themes and ideas that he was interested in was kind of showing how hard it is to build over how easy it is to to, to tear down. Um, Let's hear the, there was an interesting quote that I set aside uh, that, let's see if I can find it. He says, the idea that the reconstruction would be harder than starting a rebellion or fighting a war. He was uh, drawing from real life events around the Iraq war and the stormtroopers who would have essentially formed uh, a Star Wars version of ISIS. Uh, the resulting power vacuum would have been easy for Maul to step up into, and Leia would have had to eventually rebuild the Republic and become the Supreme Chancellor. Yeah. Now, for anybody not um, connecting all the different animation, uh, Legends books, uh, little side bits from uh, even the movies, like uh, at the very end of Solo, if you didn't catch Maul's appearance there, uh, Maul has been, you know, uh, still around um, and affecting a lot of things. So this isn't, you know, off in crazy land. Uh, Maul became a very beloved character. So having him run the the crime syndicates and having a lot of other things going on makes complete sense. But the thing that actually got me, Andy, was mm. the idea of a, a Chancellor Organa. Um, yeah. Seeing that whole whole political side kind of play back to where they kind of started. And I'm one of those clowns who was actually sitting there with little charts and diagrams trying to figure <laughs> out the politics of the, the prequel. So, you know, I, that, I thought that was excellent. Well, you know, that was something. Oh, go ahead. That that seems like that what his uh, sequels would be like, though. You know how the first one was just all talk about the trade routes and the mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. like. It seems like it would just be a bunch of political talk about the rebuilding, as opposed to a story that would actually offer. So why are you laughing at me, Benja? They, 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 I'm story... laughing because of. I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you later. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a pretty intellectual person. I think I appreciated that in the Matrix sequels more than most people. That whole like philosophical mumbo jumbo like word vomit. But it just is so much. I, I don't know. I that that was my least favorite part of the the prequels was all the the political jabbering. Well, you know, this is actually a really interesting thing, right? So, of course, these books cover the prequels. And here's the quote that I was looking for and that I could not find initially. Uh, but he actually addresses about how he knows a lot of people kind of found the fact that uh, the Phantom Menace was about uh, a dispute over trade routes was uh, was kind of, you know, not what they were expecting or wanting Star Wars to be about. But the quote was, um, the Phantom Menace starts with corrupt corporations doing bad things in secret and that all corporations care about is making money while everyone else is trying to do the right thing, but are they are completely overwhelmed. The two main themes are about 
becoming a bad person and democracy being in a way. There's no coup, there's no rebellion, there's no nothing. They voted in, which is what happens in real life. I mean, he was creating these from uh, historical uh, references in, in our world, in World War II. Um, and that's just something kind of really fascinating. Didn't make it interesting. <laughs> don't, yeah, and don't get me it, wrong, Tracy. It, 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 it was not well done. The, I am standing <laughs> by the fact that it was not well done, but I kind of I dug it like the fifth viewing. So. And it's it's really difficult just from like a, a directorial standpoint to make that kind of dense dialogue flow well. It's like near on impossible to get the pacing right. Um, and and they didn't. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't. Uh, you know, important and good to know, but yeah, hard to pace. I always look so, at yeah, that. Uh, I guess we could discuss more about the. I guess we can discuss more about the trade routes or we could uh, keep going because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff. But it's so interesting, Benja. It is. Roger, Roger. You like me to spend the next 45 minutes on it? Okay. <laughs> um, the next bit of news was uh, John Boyega has coined a new verb for actors of color who are relegated to the sidelines of major series. John Boyega had a very, uh, quote unquote, very honest and transparent conversation with Disney about his experience in episodes seven, eight, and nine, and he uh, and the directions for the character of Finn and Kelly Marie Tran's Rose. After The Force Awakens, he felt he was tossed aside and used as a marketing tool. Speaking on an episode of the podcast, The Big Ticket with Mark Malkin, Boyega shared his concerns for other actors of color who joined the franchise. He said, next time you cast an actor of color in Star Wars, you bring them through the process, Boyega said. They need that support. They can't get Boyega'd. <laughs> and this is him coining this term himself. Well, he kind of was Jar jar <laughs> Totally. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, he was like, he was such a main character in the first. I mean, really, The Force Awakens centered on him even more than Ray. I yeah, would think. Very true. Very you know, true. And then, and then they, it just became less and less. And they completely they didn't discarded follow, Rose. They didn't follow, they didn't do his full character arc justice for where it started off, you know, with as much material as it was given. They, it, yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, still actually looking for one of those posters of of uh finn holding the blue lightsaber just so i can wake up in the morning shake my fist at it and then have <laughs> energy throughout the day so yeah well, it was too bad because his character like the idea of how somebody is recruited as a child to become a stormtrooper that's a fascinating story that i was really looking forward to hearing more of um and for his whole character to just be kind of brushed aside for me was really disheartening. Um, I, mean, also, I, I loved Rose. I loved Rose in the first one, in the second first movie. It also reminded me of kind of that, the theme that they were starting to include at the beginning of the trilogy where it was, uh, you know, uh, the people can, anybody can be connected to the force. It doesn't yeah. matter where you come from, what your background is, you know, you know, someone who's strong with the force can, ha can come from anywhere. And uh, then they, they kind of just, that just died too, you know? Uh, so, you know, okay, this is actually, this is an interesting uh, 
question I've always had because I've had this this debate with other friends. So here we go. <laughs> in my memory from uh, being a kid, when I first saw Star Wars, to me, force powers were something that anyone could do. Like it didn't matter who you were. You could train up, you could meditate, you could develop force powers if you had the, uh, you know, a teacher and, and, uh, and, you know, and, 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 and it was something about the Skywalkers that certainly had a, a little bit of a head start, but it wasn't like um, a chosen thing where, where, you know, how it ended up becoming where, you know, only there are some force sensitives and the rest of the world are like normies, right? It was like, you know, uh, uh, Harry Potter in a way. How did you guys perceive it? Because I've I've have other friends who were like, uh, no, only the Skywalkers and you know, specific people have force powers. Like no one, like only certain people can be trained up. Well, I for me, I know that um, I studied Qui Gong for a few years. And so like when I throw out, I'm wishing you good chi, that's where I'm getting that from is because I was, you know, working with chi and internal chi and everything, you know, and it was always kind of my, you know, like when you, when you study Qui-Gong or some people call it Qigong. Um, oh, oh, Qigong. Okay. Yeah. Qui-Gong Jin? Sorry. That was the, no, it was like, copy the there too. <laughs> it was like the white tiger Qigong, whatever. Okay. Anyway, yeah. um, so you know, you're when you're working with chi, like in your and you're learning different types of meditation through different that achieve different things. You know, the idea is that you can get in touch with yourself and with the, with things around you in a way that is uh, to a higher level, right? And so, I always kind of related the force kind of like that. Like if you study it enough and you, you know, be, you you work with your chi enough you can kind of master the force. Um, so until they brought up the dreaded M word that became yes. <laughs> worse, a, a bigger curse yeah. word than Dank Farrick. Um, <laughs> I think that that was probably what most people kind of equated it with, right? I mean, apparently not. That's what I had always thought. So because uh, I have been told by other people who thought that you were basically, you know, you were chosen. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know where that I also don't know exactly where that came from. Um, and, you know, it's I, it came about and people started saying it. And I think people started saying it just because of all the rampant speculation about what was going to happen in the stories. It, it started building up during that time. And there were all kinds of theories and people started believing things that really weren't, you know, that really shouldn't have been latched on to. But um so I don't know where that came from, but we have a comment here from um, uh, Nerd of Many Faces. Uh, it also se it almost seemed that that uh, that they couldn't decide who the Han Solo character was supposed to be. Like it was going to be yeah. a game of war between Poe and Finn, and that's a good point. You had instead of you know your you know main character Luke and then uh, the side thing, you had uh, Ray, Poe, Finn, all these new characters coming in trying to fit into this world and universe and who was force sensitive, who was an actual Jedi, who was going to be. And, you know, with JJ setting up things the way he did, it's a kind of a, a kind of a toss up to what they were trying to do. Of course, if we're, we weren't in the writer's room, so no one knows 
uh, Andy, knowing you know, <laughs> you would say that JJ had absolutely no knowledge of what was going on. But you know. well, <laughs> that's not first. true. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's pretty clear he intended for that for Ray and Ray and Finn to be a dyad, right? Since he brought that idea back later, um, um, you know, I mean, that's implied when they're flying the Falcon together and they aim the gun that can't move and you know other things but uh yeah mystery boxes don't get me started it's a wasn't pet peeve Poe, wasn't Poe supposed to be killed off in the first one am i remembering that right and then they changed their minds yeah uh yeah i think it was kind of like he was it was originally a, a cameo cast but then they were like we really like you and you're a famous actor now, so we have to keep you. <laughs> and uh, another comment from um, from Ring Capacity that said uh, he was the best part next to Ray. Mm-hmm. Hey, a lot of strong feelings out there about Finn, Ray, Poe, uh, their characterization. So I'm with you there on that one. Um, if you ever want to catch me offline, uh, you can see my true feelings about Finn. <laughs> see, I'm surprised you didn't get it. You've been you've been very restrained, Pinch. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm here for the show. It's a family <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> we can get into that later. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, there's a little bit I want to touch on with the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you you watch the Lego uh, Holiday Special? Tell us what so your I thoughts were. You yeah. So, uh, really quickly, I'm just going to plow through this, and then we can get on to the Mandalorian. But so, the Holiday Special is a the Star Wars holiday special is a thing that's been going on that it started in what 72, I believe. Um, the, the, oh, the, 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 original. the, oh, the, yeah, the, the original. original. No, yeah, the original. it would have been after that because the first that's movie se- came out in 77. Oh, yeah. yeah, so um, the original 40, was 78. Years or something. 42 years, yeah, 42 years. That's what I meant. Um, been going on for when I say going on, it came out, it was terrible, nobody liked it, but. <laughs> It was so bad that people kept saying, like, hey, Lucas, don't forget about this. You built this shit. We're going to play it again. So He tried to destroy it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, uh, they tried to destroy it, all copies of it. They tried to, they totally disavowed it. They didn't, they acted like it didn't exist. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a total project that was kind of jobbed out to another group of people. They were just like, look, we need a holiday special. We're going to try to make one. Let's pay these clowns over in the corner to do a holiday special. And it went bad. Not going to dwell on it, but well, okay, what they decided... but... go ahead. I mean, I mean, to be fair though, there are some cool things about it. Um, you know, we got like, Boba Fett. We got, but we got an animated short uh, of Boba Fett, which established a lot of things we've come to see later. Um, mm-hmm. We got to uh, see Harrison Ford, um, like question his very existence on camera <laughs> sure i mean you know with any problem, anything can have like you know let's pick out these good little bits here and there you know um you know you go into a restroom uh, at a restaurant and it's like hey you know they had a they had nice hand dryers uh restaurant sucked but the hand dryer in the bathroom was pretty pretty solid so yeah you there's a lot of interesting little bits that they pulled out from it but uh, back to the Lego special, and they've decided to kind of try to overwrite the memory of the holiday. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no. oh did we lose him again? We've <laughs> lost audio from Benja again. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we have a question here. Was the holiday special better or worse than the Ewok specials? Oh, wow. Better. <laughs> <laughs> Benja, you're back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talking about the, that question. That's the curse of talking about the holiday special. <laughs> So, Lexi, Lexi, actually, didn't know. Did you see the uh, the Lego special? Yes, I did. All right. What were your thoughts on it, really quickly? Uh, I, I, I just there, there are little things that I kept going. Wait, but is this canon? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but is that? <laughs> and then, but should that be canon? Uh, I, 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 I don't know why, but the line that's sticking with me is is Maz Kanata looking for Chewie and going, "Where's my boyfriend?" Um, <laughs> why yeah. that's the standout line for me is the whole thing. I don't know, but that was the standout line for me. I was like, I, 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 "All right." Yeah. The uh, so. I've actually watched the, a lot of Lego properties over time, just kind of like goofing off and let me watch a Lego movie or something or some of the shorts. So, so if you so, go online, there is a wealth of shorts. Go ahead, Andy. So there's, there's, a, okay. So they have adaptations of all the, all the, the, the main movies, correct? Like shortened versions. Uh, yeah. It's really goofy, totally non-canon. Just we're going to take little elements and, you know, make block movies out of them. So can you explain to me, what are the Freemaker movies? Uh, there is a family of characters known as the Freemakers. Um, and they basically just are around to provide glue and connectivity to a lot of these other characters. You're like, well, how does Kylo Ren, um, you know, relate to uh, Jabba the Hutt or whatever? And it's like, it's like, hey, the Freemakers showed up and they had to deal with Jabba the Hutt and they saved this time capsule that later on Kylo Ren opened up. You know, so they're, <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets weird. Um, but they're the guys who pretty much uh, link it all to get link very, very loosely here. We're talking about Legos. You know, um, they're those guys. But um, it, it's lighthearted fun. Everybody should probably watch it, check it out. Uh, if you have kids, definitely watch it for them. Um, once again, I didn't like the way Lego Finn was played. Um, really? But, he went uh, back to being force sensitive, though. <laughs> it was just it was just kind of weird to me. Uh, you know, it's like he shows up <laughs> and he's like, Ray, Ray, I'm finally becoming one with the force. And she's like, OK, fight this little, uh, you know, do your little practice Remote. here. He's just failing again in his practicing. And then. <laughs> He starts getting angry and he has kind of this, I don't want to say overly black voice, but he's like, you know, I can't even do the voice. off into something. Were these not voiced by the actors? Boyega was not there for this. Okay. Because, but were the other, were the other people there for that? I believe actually they had uh, some of the original Clone Wars cast and they had Kelly Marie Tran and uh, and Lando and Billy D. Williams. Okay, in. that makes sense then because both Finn and Ray's voices just looked so, they get looked so weird with their Lego bodies. Yeah. I couldn't get over how weird their voices were with their Lego bodies. It just didn't seem right. right. But Ring Capacity it says that like the Lego cosplay. 
It felt like Lego cosplay with yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind I of know. like the the feeling though of like I've because I've seen I haven't seen a lot of the um the Lego Star Wars movies. I've seen some of the other Lego movies, but there is certainly a sense of play with them where it's like you imagine a kid playing with his Legos and make just kind of mashing up whatever he or she wants to, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. Lego... All all Lego content is like uh, kids entertainment satire, you know? Really light kids entertainment satire. They just kind of take whatever story they have and and like do the abridged version that's you know, a little tongue in cheek. Um, so I, that's kind of what I expected. And that's, that's what I got. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> they took a little, uh, a little bit of the Marvel playbook too, with the rings that you can go a little bit of the Dr. Yeah. Strange. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, ring capacity was not around for the first couple episodes. Cause he has not heard me rant, uh, about my love for the Ewok movies. So, <laughs> You know what? Actually, that's that's another episode down the line. We should just do oh, yes. a retrospective of the Ewok movies. I would be down for that. I think we should. And yes, Life Day is involved in the Lego special ring capacity. Yeah, and as we said, uh, it, it's it's worth checking out. Um, not because it's great. Lego is never <laughs> great. It's just funny, entertaining, and extremely lighthearted. Um, there are a lot of little Easter eggs in there, like all their all the character outfits that they wear they're actually found in the lego advent calendar um this year so if you go buy your little lego minifigure advent calendar star wars edition that's a you'll thing? find these characters outfits yeah oh my god are i they, have to get that for my nephew are they exactly. easter eggs or life eggs <laughs> what okay. don't know uh, that joke may have been, uh, <laughs> Blown over. Um, okay, so check out Lego Star Wars, and let's go ahead and jump into the Mandalorian uh, before I start on a Finn rant again. <laughs> we got to overview. Right. Rant. So rant, here we are rant, on rant, rant, rant. Mandalorian season two, episode four, chapter twelve: The Siege. With the Razor Crest falling apart, the Mandalorian must return back to his base planet on Navarro to see uh, repairs delaying him uh, on his to, to see repairs done on on the ship to delay delaying him on his quest. I can't talk, man. but doing so use allows words, him Andy. to use my words. Use my words. Um, doing so allows him <laughs> to rejoin his old allies for a new mission that will reveal forbidden dark secrets of the sh- as the shadow of the past looms beyond them. Uh, this episode sees the return of Horatio Sands as Mithril, Gina Carano as Cara Dune, and Grief Karga, played by Carl Weathers, also making his directorial debut. Um, so, quick review. Uh, we have kind of what we expected here. Uh, another side quest. Uh, we've c- kind of become accustomed to this format of we have uh, a episode that drives the, the, the main plot of the overarching plot forward. And then another side quest that kind of gives us more character development and, uh, you know, um, it gives us an opportunity to ask questions of our core characters. Um, there are some gorgeous special effects shots in this. Um, some of the space battle stuff in particular uh, really stood out to me. Uh, 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 and as well as some things that uh, I found interestingly 
homage written. Uh, there are also uh, a lot of really impressive use of the volume. You can really see them kind of testing the limits of all their tech here. Um, so that's very exciting. Also, some of the broadest comedy moments that we've seen to date, in my opinion. Um, all in all, I would say this is, and give me a second before you judge me, this is my least favorite episode that we've had to date. However, that does not mean it is not a good episode. It is a very good episode. Uh, Just that for me, there were some moments that I was just kind of like, maybe just leaning a little too hard into the cutesy humor um, or just being a little bit too self-aware. For me... But it looks like Tracy is about to stab a knife into my side. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is still a very good episode, and it's still great Star Wars. And uh, I don't want that to detract anyone's opinion of this. Because, again, some great action, some great character moments, and some great character development, and some major, major plot bombs that I really did not expect to see uh, at this point in the season. So that is your spoiler-free uh uh review i don't know if anyone if you guys have a response or or uh a spoiler free review to add in of in your opinion um yeah it was really interesting for me as someone who got a bachelor's in directing to see uh because it was it was carl weather's directorial debut for me to see what as like you know oh baby director because he's obviously a very very experienced performer Mm. and so to kind of see where i think you know some of it leaning a little bit like you said too hard into some moments of humor being a little too self-aware as like an actor um it, it's interesting some i've seen a lot of actors transition into directorial debuts and it takes a couple of projects before their focus shifts from character to story and their lens sometimes the lens being a little smaller uh in their head well, let me ask you this. Provide an interesting focus. So. Oh, I mean, did, did you find it distracting? I mean, I know for me it was, but did it distract you at all? I mean, only because I tend to pay attention to directing. But I didn't <laughs> find I, it like it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the episode in the slightest. I just kind of went, oh, yeah, I see where that's coming from. I'm, you know, uh, it was just interesting to note because like, I, I have seen that in my own projects in the past. Uh, hey, quick question, yeah, Andy. My earlier, earlier ones. Quick question, Andy. Uh, Tarn Solo asked, "Was this? Did you mean the worst of this season or both?" Um, I, I won't say worst because I think that's too harsh. Again, I think this is still good stuff. To me, it's just the weakest of all the episodes we've had so far for this season. Uh, uh, yes, I wouldn't okay. wouldn't compare it to the, the farthest season, away yeah, from right. the best. Oh, sorry. Say again. Um, yes, it, it's funny. I, the farthest away from the best. Yeah. Um, instead of the worst. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. Uh, so yeah, we... the, um, I, I thought it was a. I thought it was. Very... Yeah, yeah. We're about to get into it in a second. I just thought it was, it was a very good episode, um, and really played less into the adventure, um, Saturday morning cartoon, isolated kind of uh, episode idea that we were talking about in previous shows. So I think we're getting a little more of a plot push um, mm-hmm. integrated into the activities of the show. So I thought that was a good thing. And um, choice as well. yeah. So yeah, we can go ahead and start spoiling unless anybody wants to overview a little more. 
Nope. I mean, I Ooh. used to like Andy. But... <laughs> oh, again, I didn't say it's bad. Uh, cool. Do. Do. Cool. <laughs> You're allowed to have your opinions. It's Right, let's so go I believe Start this spoiling. is your spoiler warning. So from here on out, it's fair game. Hope you've seen it. <laughs> yes, yes, you've been warned. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> obviously this was a baby, uh, a very baby Yoda humor heavy episode. Very heavy on the adorableness, like to the point where I actually screamed at my television <laughs> multiple times. Might have been that time of the month. I don't know. But I was screaming at my television and squeeing. But uh, everything from the uh, the red-blue wires to the cookies and the I can has moment <laughs> to the... He, Baby Yoda and I have the exact same roller coaster stance. So I <laughs> love that. Um, I, I was uh, definitely feeling them channeling some Baby Groot also, right? Mm. Like particularly oh, yeah. that opening season yeah. or uh, open opening scene. No, <laughs> so cute. Do you think he's colorblind, or you think he's just oh. a baby? I don't know. I'm blue. surprised he didn't try to put it in his mouth. That's true. No. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> he's he's at the he's at the age where they just ah uh, right. That's that, uh, that has been the theme. <laughs> tell you one of the things i really did enjoy about this episode that um that i, I don't know i just and it sure is it is it sentimental of me yeah i don't i don't care um it's sentimental of me i like the little moments that they gave you with you know little baby yoda's unconventional family Mm. how he has like some of the toughest people in the galaxy wrapped around one of his little, I don't know. It's not a pinky cause he's only got a three, but it's like his <laughs> little box. Right. Um, and it just, it, it was on the nose, but it felt earned. It felt earned after everything they went through in the last season to protect him. You know, yeah. I was like, they're allowed to coo at him. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I don't know that 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 particularly that particularly felt like the right kind of cheesy Star Wars. You know what? I mean, to that point, actually, I did find it really kind of interesting and cool to see the relationship with Din Djarin grow. Right. Like like mm -hmm. that whole sequence where they're trying to deal with the wires and you can hear Din Djarin kind of have a little cute kids, you know, talking to my kid voice as he's like, <laughs> no, not not that one. The one, the red one with the blue. <laughs> yeah. Like, Using you know, his cape right to wipe him up. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the after roller coaster barf. I mean, using his own cape, you know? I mean, that's a, such a parental thing yeah. to do. So, Lexi, while we're, uh, uh, this, there was a lot of Baby Yoda in this episode, and it was, uh, the, the internet kind of lit up because of that. <laughs> Let us know, Lexi, um, you, you had some background information on puppetry and uh, the use I, of Baby Yoda I, here that I didn't know about. So, uh, I did. Throw a little lattice right quick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Baby Yoda is like, you know, there, there's there's the movie Million Dollar Baby. Well, Baby Yoda is like the five million dollar baby because the hero puppet, the main puppet that gets used, actually costs five million dollars for them to make. Uh, fun fact. Yeah. That little yeah. baby puppet. Yeah. 
And that's the one that they used for the punching in the face scene. And apparently John Favreau <laughs> like came up and was like, this puppet's worth uh, $5 million. So just like, please keep that in mind when you punch him in the face. Wow. Apparently they had to do a bunch of takes because uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he was apparently so nervous about like, punching it too hard right uh, it's, uh yeah, took, took he's, um, oh gosh who is he, he he's a, f- a former snl actor uh will well no, um no um Eddie murphy <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was the is it, uh oh god who punched okay, baby yoda google yeah. there you go there is, you he, go. he's a, a olivia olivia wilde's husband right jason sudeikis yeah oh, there you go um and by the way, that strange Allie voice. You, by the way, that strange voice you heard was not, um, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi. That was uh, Rodney there helping us behind yeah. the scenes. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, can, can they hear Rod? Can they hear you, voice of Rod? Oh no, it's oh, just they, us. We just sound like we're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> no, I'm the crazy one. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Oh no, but so so speaking of you know the whole. Um, what he had, like his main moments, like I think the, I think it's one of the first times we've seen him use the force. And I don't know about you guys, but like I kind of, I was like, are they gonna have him do something with the Mamacore in the last episode? You know what I mean? He hasn't used oh, the force right. in a while. He hasn't right. used this the force This is the first time this season, huh? And he decides he's gonna do it for the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I would use it for cookies too. Right? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you baby Yoda, you have your priorities straight. You are. <laughs> You. By the, by the way, that effect, nicely first. <laughs> that effect yeah, totally like, looked like uh, the, the the force on the cookies totally looked like um, an effect we did back in school, uh, in high, <laughs> where you put like a magnet inside of a bag or something, and then have another magnet under the table and try to drag it. It just seems so. Yeah. So yeah, simple. Um, but so according to John Favreau. Um, they use the puppet a lot. And in a rare occasion that they do have a CG puppet, they make sure to never actually have the CG puppet do something or the CG baby Yoda do something the puppet can't do. So that there's that kind of continuity right. really helps with the overall continuity, which I thought was really interesting, um, which comes down to the fact that there's a, brings me to another point. I've in a couple of, of the just basic interviews I read, they only mentioned two puppeteers. Well, I was watching the Disney Gallery um, documentaries, and they were talking about all the practical effects. And in fact, there are one, two, three, four, five puppeteers that work with Baby Yoda on a regular basis, not two. Uh, You've got Jason Matthews, who does the eyes with a remote control. Uh, Trevor Hensley does the body and the head. Hiroshi Yakuchi does the ears and the mouth. Mike Benzel does walking sequences and limbs. And then Tamara Carlson Woodward made the costume herself and is basically like the alternate and knows how to do all of them and just subs in. So now are, are the, are the head and body, are they just typical like rod rod puppets or? Um... Yeah, they have, it looks like they've got rod puppets and then a bunch of more complex, like heavy duty looking crazy video game style yeah. almost controls for the facial facial, articulation and like that was so important because favreau had said i forget the name of the project and i'm sure you could people could look it up don't want to bother to do that but he'd been he said he'd been working on a project over the past couple of years where the characters were like goblins or gnomes or something and they had these big bat ears and they'd been animating them to show emotion and Mm. so what he really wanted to 
uh, play with and explore and expand into was having the main mode of communication for the baby, for the child, be almost exclusively with the ears and the eyes. And so that's why you had that develop the way it did. It was really intentional uh, based on something, he, a concept he'd already been exploring with character development. Um, so now they can yeah. hear me. So oh. I'm going oh. to jump in real quick. Uh, this the voice is of Rod. This is Rodney. Um, <laughs> uh, on our, our last, uh, in the, uh, our parent uh, podcast, Pain uh, Dream. You're going to talk about Eugene. That's Eugene, what I was just about to talk about. Eugene was on, uh, Eugene Cordero <laughs> was on as our, one of our final guests for the season. And he was, uh, he was, if you guys remember him, he was in the episode in the village. He was one of the quote unquote, uh, he's one of the two guys that went to Mando to get him to come defend the village. And with so, the long hair. The long hair. So he was telling us um, in his uh, interview with us, he was talking about how they rigged him up for like over an hour so yeah. he could basically pick up Baby Yoda because they had to run all the wires through him, through through his his, his thing. But they ended up not even using it. <laughs> so they rigged up the whole thing, all that stuff. So yeah, they ran a bunch of wires through his like clothes so he could pick up Baby Yoda and they could control the, the, the puppet while he was holding him. So apparently, like you said, Lexi, it's like a huge, huge undertaking just for that. Yeah, it's a you know. team effort. And when they interviewed the puppeteers, and this is also, again, in the Disney gallery, the two sources that I have for this were a Nerdist article and um, the Disney gallery show, which is also on Disney Plus. Uh, the, the composing, the, the section for the score is also really fascinating and something that is like a discussion for another day. Uh, nice, nice. That, that $5 million right, dollars hmm? That $5 million baby paying off. <laughs> yeah, the $5 million baby. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently it took them about three months to build him. Yeah, cool. And we also have a little comment here from, from Aaron Nabus. Aaron Nabus. Nabus. I'll say Nabus since it sounds most like Naboo. Maybe <laughs> we all enjoy the child's cuteness now because maybe things might get more serious moving forward. That's an interesting mm. point. Yeah. For especially for this episode. Um Tracy, I want I want you to roll on with that with the because you've got other notes here too. <laughs> I do. Uh more serious. <laughs> okay, I was gonna make a joke about the eggs, but I'm not gonna do that. I don't want to start a riot. But <laughs> Um, speaking of multiple, uh, facets to, to the, the puppetry aspect, as well as that, I, I had to look up where the baby Yoda sounds come from because my womb was about to explode and <laughs> sound editor, Matthew Wood said that his voice is a combination of baby samples, fat eared foxes, kinkajous, and an actor named Dave Accord. So... All those things combined, those powers combined, bring Wait, us. What, what, what was the, the kink, did you say kink, kinkajous? Jews. Jews. What's that? They're like Pikachus, but um, fatter. <laughs> <laughs> and kinkier. <laughs> uh, yes. A, a Jew is a tropical rainforest mammal it almost oh like, gosh, like a cousin of a it's a cousin of like a raccoon yeah it almost wow. looks like a tarsier or something yeah <laughs> all right <His> nickname <laughs> is the honey bear oh the bear <laughs> anyway oh, so i just had to bring that up 
Thank you. Uh, I needed to know that actually. I really, I, I didn't <laughs> know didn't I needed know. to know. I know. But now I, I'm glad I know. I know. Aww. <laughs> All right. So we've got Jin lifting his helmet, right? A little bit, just like a little bit more and more. And baby Yoda trying to like sneak a look under there. Do you think we're going to see him take off his whole helmet by the end of the season? I mean, it feels like there's been a running theme of this, right? Of as he continues to deconstruct the creed that was taught to him by the watch. Yeah, I'm totally expecting him to drop the helmet. Um, You know, they not only um, does Pedro Pascal want to um, (laughs) show his face, which we even heard about from season one, but definitely as far as the story goes, you know, they've kind of slowly been hinting at it. Let me show a droid. Let me show my chin off to the child here, you know. And it was funny. The baby, baby Yoda actually tilted his head a little bit to see, oh, try yeah. to see his face. Yeah. I thought that was pretty great. Hey, I'm totally waiting for it. I, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I mean, it'll, they're going to definitely dangle that in front of us because it's going to be the biggest. I think it's going to be one of the biggest right along him, alongside season one, him turning around and coming back to get the child. I think that's probably going to be like the second. It's going to be one of the second most impactful uh, character notes of a character arc, like definitive notes of a character arc that we have for him. Definitely. Uh, Because it kind of shows him not just taking the creed that he was raised with without question, but to create his way for himself. Mm -hmm. And which we saw in the last episode, meeting Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians, that he's kind of starting to see that, you know, the way really depends on how you grew, you know, on, on what you choose, you choose your way and you choose who walks your way with you. Gotta be weird to find out that you're the outlier, you know? Like, <laughs> how do you know, like Yeah. Well, like, you know, like all the other Mandalorians that aren't uh, one of the ch- children of the watch, they take off their helmets all the time. And here you think that that's like the main, I mean, that's like, that was like the core thing that he held on to. For was you do not take your helmet off in front of anybody, and so to find out that you're kind of like the cult version, it's that's got to be that's got to be weird. So we've got another uh, cute critter. We've got one of those like the little fire fire breathing lava weasels. Yeah, right? that's right. That uh, yeah. that Car- that Caradune has a has a has a familiar now too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I called it I called it space meerkat, but yeah, I, you know. <laughs> I just my notes just say space meerkat. <laughs> we saw them. We saw them along the river, the lava river, when they I were escaping. That. When IG, okay. yeah, yeah. When IG, and, and and if you look really closely, there's like a burst of fire, and that's when they they focus on the body of the um, the dead alien on the floor. I can't remember what race it is. It's the race that picks the fight on with with Luke in Mos Eisley, right? Um, uh, but his oh, face the, is the, actually wal- the walrus guys. Yeah, or yeah. his uh, his yeah. face is actually burned. So apparently, these um, lava meerkats can burn can can breathe fire, and that was uh, that was an amazing. We're we're, uh, we're gonna ig- ignore uh, the Gina Carano uh, fun news that's been out lately yeah. for now. Yeah, uh, you know, so but she did a lot of good. She did a lot of uh, her fight she did scenes a lot of stuff in this episode. You know, her character. Um, evolved a little bit and we saw her kicking ass like she we know her to do from MMA so uh, they got their money's worth in that respect 
But now that, um, and we'll just go ahead and acknowledge it and move on. The fire Gina, Car Gina Carano thing is out there. So once again, more Star Wars drama, but we'll try not to bring too much of that onto the show. You you feel free to look that up if you are, are so inclined. But, uh, yes. but she's Marshall. Get at Andy on Twitter if you want to argue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's the Marshall now. And of course, uh, we've got the IG-11 statue in the background. If you Did you guys notice that? I did catch that. That was a pretty cool thing. Like right before they walk into the school. There's also a guy in jeans. Did you guys the, notice what? the guy in jeans? Wait, what? Mistake. No. Yeah, yeah there's I, a scene. I yeah, there's a scene uh, where the three of them are lined up about to shoot. And you can see right behind a wall, like like about a quarter of a guy wearing jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and I had to like pause it. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. As usual, there were, uh, there were, there were quite a few, um, little Easter eggs here and there, but I just realized where we're at in the, in, in going through all this. And I really want to get to the whole clonage towards the end of the show. Um, you know, there's a, there's a good bit to discuss here. So I don't know where you want to pick this up, Tracy, but there's a lot of okay. good story elements that were really hitting hard towards the end. Okay. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna skip over a bunch of my a bunch of my Easter eggs here. Then. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Oh my gosh! There's so many little Easter eggs. That's okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, we go we 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 go into a lab, right? And it's obviously like they've got the same patch as the as the the guy. What's his name? I'm blanking uh, on his name. Yeah. The 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 Camino in uh, cloners patch symbol on, right. on the. So so we That's see in the. In the we, we've got more lava lamps in this episode, and we see in this one that we've got what looks like a Snoke clone. I mean, all kind of blurry. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying it's Snoke. Certainly blobby, genetically altered something. I mean, it has that kind of like hunchback of Notre Dame yeah. type vibe to it, right? I mean, I mean, th there's there's a lot that comes out in the hollow message of the scientist, right? That kind of implies what's going on. Right, and we know we know from the nov the the episode nine novel that they're trying to um, that they're trying to clone Snoke to be a vessel for Palpatine. Right? Anybody else? No. Oh, I, I didn't read the novel. <laughs> Oh, I was gonna uh, say I haven't read the novels yet. I, I'm behind on that. I've heard that too. Um, and and for for those watching, you got to remember that this takes place uh, before the First Order really gets together, right? And before all of Force Awakens happens. So the the putting the seeds in about cloning and genetic manipulation, um, playing with the Force and um, artificially DNA and messing with M counts and things like that. Yeah. Right. And, um, beyond laying the groundwork for uh, the the Rise of Skywalker for that whole that trilogy in the First Order, beyond that, it stays really consistent with Star Wars branding the Sith and the people who follow them as more of like the the Nazi kind of Gestapo looking. You know how they have the the uniforms look kind of like the Gestapo. That whole thing, the brown shirts, uh, and so it goes along with that because of the Nazis having you know. Uh, no consent and genetic experimentation and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. 
just for me, I was like, okay, yeah, that's a solid choice. I buy that genetic experimentation on a th on like a thematic level, and it's like a good connector to you know the next uh, part of the history of the trilogies. Uh, and even the uni the uniforms are kind of a combination of um, like the Empire and the New Order, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. They did a Dark very good job visually tying it all together. So oh. real quick, does that get weird to you guys that that whole cloning uh, scientific end of it because it's not really the force, but I don't know. Does that get weird to you in the story of Star Wars? Is that cool with you? I mean, to me, okay, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff here, right? So like specifically Dr. Pershing's uh, message, right, is basically Pershing. he, uh, he, he, uh, did I get the name wrong? Mm. Or, oh, you're right. I just couldn't right. remember it before. Oh, okay. Uh, no, is that he, okay, so he, he says that he implies that there have been multiple trials of transfusing what they're calling high M count blood, which we can presume is high midichlorian count blood yeah. into non-force using people, right? right? Which is a very important thing. And, you know, and I've been very careful about like not getting into any, a lot of my theory crafting. I have a lot of big theory crafting ideas. Benja can tell you about it, but, um, <laughs> But this confirms one very important thing that I've been theory crafting about where we're headed in this in this season uh, of the idea of trying to transfer force powers. Um, um, of course, not confirmed, but uh, that's the implication, which is fascinating. Well, and the, as far as the volunteer goes, the only person that I can think of is Palpatine's son, who is Ray's dad. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, interesting. Right? The thick plotins. Oh, okay. Think? Wait. Okay. So, remind me. Remind me the whole backstory. Remind me. Uh, remind me the whole backstory of what the uh, like about the Palpatine clones. Because I I don't okay, know. Okay, so the there's Palpatine clones, right? And that was part of like a video game or an RPG or something. And he the force the force did not transfer into the clone. And in the history of Star Wars, like we know that the one the one Jedi I'm blanking on his name who was doing the clones uh, the clone army like that was kind of his whole program. He tried to to inject his blood into Grievous, but it didn't work. Cyphodius. What? Cyphodius? Is that the Jedi's name? I don't remember. I just remember he had like a weird smile. Carry on. Uh, Cyphodius Cypho is the is the the Jedi who was a friend of Count Dooku who went insane because he had premonitions and was the one who ordered the clone army from the community. That sounds that's right. Okay, yep, 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 yep. He tried to inject some of his blood into Grievous, but oh. it didn't work. Um, know, but... so there's a history of this and of course we've got um we've got the shadow troopers that use the artusian crystals to they, they found a way around them so that they are force sensitive and they have the red lightsabers which i was wondering that i'm getting a little ahead of myself here i was wondering if that was the what the the stormtroopers were that were lined up if they were shadow troopers or if they were dark troopers i'm now leaning towards dark troopers Okay. which are really super advanced <laughs> battle droids. Uh, um, but as far as like the clone thing, so they, there was clones of Palpatine, right? And there was one that survived. They very rarely survive. And if they do, there's usually like a ton of issues, but he wasn't force sensitive or he, or they're not force sensitive. And Palpatine's clone that survived was not force sensitive. But then they're saying that Ray's dad was a natural born son. I thought Ray's, 
Ray's dad was Ray's dad was was a clone. Was a clone. I thought. I've heard it both ways. Oh. I think right, everybody well, thought at first that he was a clone, but then it, they, it came out that he was actually an actual born son. And both of them have disturbing implications. So, right, yeah. exactly. It's, it's all very interesting, and we'll we'll definitely. Uh, I mean, there's so many ways we could go with this um, in, in terms <laughs> of the story. So, um, I'm going to jump. There's a you, hanging plot threads that we're still dealing with in this show that are. And now that we've hit the midpoint of the show, four episodes in, I expect five, six, seven, and eight to be uh, much more punchy. We've got um, the quest to reunite the child with his people, um, the covert Mandalorians that are still in hiding, Boba Fett being out there, Bo-Katan building forces to take back Mandalore, finding Ahsoka Tano, Mif Gideon, Moff Gideon, pff, Moff Gideon and his dark saber, um, Moff Gideon, his experiment with blood transfusions, the M count, and everything else. Moff Gideon and his scary board replacements, or whatever those were, um, and the New <laughs> Republic core worlds that we talk about that don't see um, everything that's going on in the outer rims that the uh, you know space popo talked about. <laughs> so there's plenty uh, to come. Uh, I'm looking like forward to it. it. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you guys, especially Lexi, especially because of your, your background with like design and all that stuff. Like, what did you think of the, the, what did it look like? Darth, Darth Vader type clones or, or what? Like with Darth, with Moff Gideon and that little, that little bay of like clones or whatever. What did you, what did you think of all that? I really want to, like, I want to go back through, and I only had a chance to watch it, like, once, like, one and a half times, really, uh, because of, of my work schedule and, right now, but think, like, thinking of that, or watching that, it, it, it kind of gave me the, the, a little bit of, a, I don't, I don't want to say, so I was going to say throwback just because it came out uh, before, but chronologically is, is after uh, when Ray finally does find the First Order and you know sees everything going on, so there that kind of imagery of the First Order um, temples and sacred spaces is already evoked, you know, um, in their in the color palettes that they use. Um, as far nope. as the cloning, I don't. I, I was gonna say I don't know. All of that just ends up becoming theory building for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, rather so, than design to be honest so so um, here's a question lexi uh did you recognize the ship when they reveal the do the big reveal for, on moff gideon's uh ship no i if, didn't if actually. if you recall i believe this was a ship that they actually designed for uh one of the animated series i can't remember which one I think it was Rebels. Was it the, the one that is it the one that she drives off the cliff or, or a different one? No, no, no. I mean Moff Gideon's Star Destroyer. Oh, his ship. Star Destroyer. Um, yeah, because it's not a standard Star Destroyer. It's not. I recognized it, but I I didn't look it up. Um, yeah, I, I haven't looked it up yet either. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't done a dive into that into the design of his ship yet. Um, I I'd, I'd like honestly been uh, really really fixated on how they did the animatronics for the characters be, mm. um, with different kids. Like that's kind of what I've been fixating on this week rather than the uh, ship design. Um, 
But the, I should you, do a deep dive into ship design at some point too. You mean the animatronics of holding your hands up on a roller coaster? <laughs> you know. Oh, I I mean, well, I I mean, he's you know, character is no longer with us, but Quill, uh, that that yeah. character, you know, obviously being voiced by Nick Nolte, but then the the performance artist was uh, a person who was underneath, you know, had the mask and the mask itself was animatronic. So they could barely hear the lines. They had to take, you know, um, cues off of, off of like audio, really difficult to get cues, not a lot of uh, great sight lines. So it's trying to learn how the people who, who, uh, who puppet the face are going to puppet the face and being able to turn it and serve it to the camera. I don't know, so that was just fascinating to me uh, what they did with a lot of, because I know that they did the same thing to the Mon Calamari and the Corrin. Um, right. Karn Solo is saying it's a command cruiser from Rebels. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I lose from Rebels, but I did not look into it. Oh, speaking of which, we have Brendan's question. Go ahead. Oh, oh right. Yes. Um, Which so, was go ahead. You do it. Are we are we are we wrapped up with uh, what we want to say here uh, before we go into just random oh, questions? Sure. Should I, I feel like I should do like a page on the um the uh, maybe on our Facebook page or something that has all my show notes <laughs> and people can comment because we always <laughs> skip over so many Easter eggs. Yeah, every there's so much. Anyway, so for people who want to look them up, I feel like there should be maybe be a place where we can or maybe we yeah. have a website, right? Maybe I'll put them on a, on the website. Yeah. Well, we're getting there. Here's the guys. thing, actually, really quickly do do we what do we want to talk really quickly about next episode? Very quickly. Well, Ahsoka Tano is going to be in it, right? Better be. That's the important thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I thought that this was okay. We be talked a about a filler episode, and I I I thought this was going to be a filler episode, and I was pleasantly surprised that it felt like that it did not feel like a filler episode. Hmm. No, nah, definitely. With, with the plot threads that we have, uh, that we just went went down, you know, I, I don't think there's any more room for that. Uh, we're on the, you know, um, down part of the roller coaster. I'm gonna raise my hands again. <laughs> I, I, and, uh, I also, I also feel like they're setting us up uh, emotionally to uh, lose lose a character uh, by the end mm. again, uh, because they were giving us so many instances of each of the different characters bonding with baby Yoda and like, you know, being really supportive of Dinjar and, you know, uh, right down to uh, letting, like being like, Hey, you know, you're faster, you're faster with that, like on the jetpack, go get the kid. Like really delegating, being aware of like his needs as a father kind of thing. And all of that is very endearing. And usually when they endear you to a bunch of characters, they're going to kill one off. And they did the same that's, thing that's with a good the droid. Point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Fire Gina Corona. <laughs> so who who can we who can she we dies in battle saving Yoda, baby Yoda? So who all can we lose? We've got um you know the, the other Mandalorians um you know Bo Katan uh and her and her two sidekicks. We've got um uh Kara. And we've got the Mithril, the fish, the fish guy. I don't think anybody yeah. would care too much if he goes away. Would not surprise um, me if it's think... Cara Dune. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's why she's being so obstinate, because she already knows she's not part of the show anymore. Interesting. Hmm? You know? dun, dun, dun. I wonder, 
I wonder what kind of contract she signed with them as well. Like, cause I, you know, that's obviously going to have a, you know, another th kind of interesting thing that I just want to point out, right, is the director lineup for the next four episodes, right? We know Dave Filoni did the screenplay and is directing uh, Chapter 13, which is why we're pretty sure that's where Ahsoka is going to show up. After that, Chapter 14, Robert Rodriguez is set to direct this episode. So that's going to be a fun, crazy romp with some crazy action for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, then... We got and then, Planet Terror, uh, Sin know, City, yeah. Five Kids, uh, Desperado. Oh, that's right. And Crazy then there's the, uh, what is it, Lava Girl and Shark Boy, which is making a comeback recently, <laughs> right? Yes. No uh, way. Has it really? Yeah, there there is a reunion project in the works coming to Netflix. Isn't that where Taylor Lautner got his start? It is, and he is so Street far Twilight. unattached, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to get lose too much time to that. Uh, but uh, and then chapter fifteen, uh, Rick Femi Fem, Femui Femuyiwa uh, is returning. He was one of the directors from from uh, season one. He directed chapter two and chapter six, uh, and so I mean both very hard hitting and uh, resonating episodes. Uh, and then chapter 16, the director is yet unannounced uh, screenplay by John Favreau, but no director attached yet. It's probably uh, John Favreau. Probably. I'm wondering if the can, right? I mean, but they already announced him as director for the first episode of the season and no one else has, uh, has doubled up uh, this, this, this year. So I, I don't know. I'm wondering if that's a, if that's a, if that's a special re reveal. Maybe well, it's, it's Baby Yoda. Maybe it's, what, what if it's uh, George Lucas? Baby Yoda's director. That's, I mean, it <laughs> feels unlikely. George Lucas? But, That'd be great. But, but that'd be amazing, right? I mean, could you see him? I mean, like, you look at all those gallery uh, documentaries, he's in like almost all of them. You know, sitting in video village, and, you know, and, and Favreau and Filoni would love it, right? I mean, that's like bringing daddy home. I mean, that's like. <laughs> All right. Speaking of bringing this home, um, we got to bring this one home. Uh, this was a pretty good episode, but we want to make sure that everybody that's um, interacting with us here on Twitch and um, everywhere else. Brendan's on question. That's what I'm getting to. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. We want to make sure that everybody uh, connects with us, sends us their questions, uh, comments. Let let us know what you're thinking about in. Um, advance of the show so we'll have time to think about the questions uh, do a little research and you know um, bump our heads on this thing a little bit and we call this section the squad reports which are questions from the galaxy we have one from Brendan McNeil says with all the teasing of Ahsoka Tano will we also see uh, Sabin Wren and Ezra Bridger uh, Ezra Bridger from Rebels hmm thoughts on that I think Gosh. so and Ezra Miller needs to play Ezra Bridges. <laughs> I, wow. you know, I, I feel like it makes sense for Sabine to show up. Uh, of course, there was a lot yeah. of talk about Sasha Banks um, playing her. Uh, I have a feeling my guts, though, says no. I, I think that um, that brings in a whole other set of stories that they'll probably save uh, since they've established so many other things. They won't want to mess it. Uh, get get things too full right now like save for season three it it would require a lot of exposition at this point because even though a lot of pre-existing fans are very familiar with those characters like you have a whole lot of people who aren't it'd be hard to 
I mean, you're already introducing Ahsoka and that's so big. Yeah. Um, they might be referenced. Yeah, it I mean, that's really the thing, right? It would be really cool to see Sabine. It would be really cool to see Sabine. I don't know. I kind of, I mean, like, I hope they do. Maybe they do. Uh, but I mean, I, and she is a Mandalorian, you know, from right. Clan Wren, which is yep. very tied to Bo-Katan. Um, do you remember, like, where in the timeline are they? Like, would Sabine and Ahsoka be searching for for Ezra at this point? Or is this much later than that? That's that's what I'm trying to remember, because I'm trying to remember it, at, at the point where Rebels leaves off. I'm trying to remember if if the three of them are even on the same planet, you know? Right. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what I'm, where that's where that is because it's been it's been a while since I. I mean, and, and there has been uh, some rumor mills about a a Rebels follow up show. Um, there's been rumors that there's an animated show in works. There's a there's rumblings of a of a live action, but nothing's been confirmed. So I don't know. It could could be. So we shall find out. Um, very interesting. Um, to think about and wonder where all this is going. Uh, the Filoni-verse connecting with the old Star Wars universe and seeing where this is all going to play out. Interesting stuff. And we thank you for that question, Brendan. If you do have any questions, as I said, um, hit us up on any of our social media accounts and we'll try to uh, prepare it for the show and see what we can come up with for you. And if anybody else doesn't have anything they want to interject, um, then we are going to be done for this one because that's our time. I feel hey, man, attacked. I, hey man, I have I have <laughs> my restraint with Finn, so you know, I expect a similar level of restraint. <laughs> um yeah, so that's our time with this Pod Squadron episode. We really uh hope you enjoyed it and hope you join us again. Definitely. Once again, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, and your favorite social media uh podcast platform. Um if you're not into the podcast game yet, stuff automatically downloads to your phone when you subscribe. And oh my God, Andy, you just freaked me out with that. Uh, <laughs> poking baby Yoda eyes into your camera is uh, that's kind of weird there, buddy. Um, so yeah, make sure you get at us. And once again, um, let everybody say bye real quick and let, let us know where they can find you. Let's start with uh, Lexi this time. Um, oh, well, Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that too. I always make him start with Andy. Thanks, I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, I, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Kaleidoscope Creature. Uh, it's my design account and has a lot of my old stuff from events on there. And uh, thank you guys for letting me wax poetic about Baby Yoda and puppets. <laughs> And I am the Chinese Pirate. You can find me at Chinese Pirate uh, underscore on all platforms. And I am uh, the Hot Nerd Girl, and you can find me at uh, Facebook at Hot Nerd Girl, Twitter at Hot underscore Nerd underscore Girl, and uh, Instagram at Hot Nerd Girl Official. And we're getting a lot of requests for a Finn rant special. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, really? I'll be sure yeah. to get right off you, Benja. Uh, I'll be sure to get right off. Right Ring prepared. capacity oh, wants to hear it. <laughs> All right. Um, you can find me at mrbenja.com, and that's going to do it for us. Uh, we thank you once again for joining us this week. We're here every week, um, and we just hope you had a good time. Thank you all for joining us once again. This is the Pod Squadron. We will see you again soon.
Thank you all. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Andy's outro. Uh, listen. <laughs> listen. The truths we cling to depend on our own point of view. And only the Sith deal in absolutes. Thank you. Ha, 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 ha.